Hello, everyone. I am Barrett. I am Sam. And we're back. It's been a minute, but we are back for our next podcast. Yep. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. And this week's guest is Riley. Riley Thornberry, say Mm -hmm. hi. Hi, everyone. We're doing this really sketchy thing with our microphone where we're just passing it around because that's our best source of micing us. Pretty much. It was a little too techy to bring in more mics, so we're just going to pass pass a talking stick around. Um, this week's episode is going to focus on Riley and her journey with motherhood and, yeah, just how that's been for her. We'll ask her some questions. <laughs> Yes, like we promised on our premiere episode, we are interviewing a very young mother, and she is 25, (laughs) and had her baby when she was 22. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, 22. I got half of that right. (laughs) Very close. So we're going to just hear about her journey, and I think it'll be pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. This will come up right after uh, this break. So we're back and we are just going to start at the beginning. So Riley, how did you find out you were pregnant? Well, I had just turned 21. So I had been 21 for a few months. Um, I was super into the party scene, partially because of that, but partially because that's just how I felt like being at that age. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of though, I was going a little bit downhill Um, just taking the partying too far and getting into situations that were not healthy for me in any way. Relatable. Yeah. (laughs) And it was to the point where it was kind of like something's got to give. So my current, my boyfriend at the time and I, we decided to stop living together. Um, but we would still hang out and party sometimes. (laughs) Like that's kind of how breakups would go. Mm -hmm. And it was in that time where I realized that I was waking up with morning sickness every day. (laughs) But just thinking to myself, you know, I felt like that invincible 21-year-old who um, didn't even consider that I could be pregnant. Pregnancy wasn't a part of my plan. So I wasn't even on my radar. Um, I wasn't like throwing up every morning, but I was sick every morning for like, it had been like a month and a half. And finally, I just one day decided to look up pregnancy symptoms just for fun (laughs) and realized that like every symptom I had. So then I went and got a pregnancy test, two of them actually. And they both came back like instantly positive. Um, so I have a question. Um, so were you drinking like every day and that's why you were, you were like not like if you were sick every morning, were you drinking every night? And that's why at first you were like, Oh no, this is just why I'm sick. I was drinking, I had a job, so I would drink basically every time I didn't have work the next day. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was, and I was going out a lot and I wasn't sleeping much. So yeah, I figured I was just overall unhealthy. Um, I figured like emotionally I wasn't feeling well and it was making my stomach hurt and things like that. So it, it, yeah, it was shocking to find out that I was pregnant. Um, And I was living with my mom at the time. I had moved back in with her. So the first thing I did was tell my mom i asked her to go on a walk (laughs) yeah it's cool you're close enough with your mom that that was like the first thing you felt comfortable enough to do yeah i was grateful because um my mom had me at a really young age as well i think she was 20 and you know i was 21 finding out i was pregnant so i knew she would understand but at the same time 
<laughs> not that she regrets having me, of course, but yeah. it was something that she wished that she had waited to do, you know, start having kids. And so it was kind of everything that she wasn't really wanting for me. She wanted me to travel. You know, I hadn't done yeah. a lot of that yet. Yeah. So definitely, you know, it wasn't <clears throat> a part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. What did, what did your mom say? I mean, was she like, was she initially like very shocked and like worried? Like, how did she react? That's a good question. Yeah. You know, I mean, most people, if they want to have kids, they want to be, you know, financially stable. Mm -hmm. They want to be not everyone, but a lot of people want like a co-parent or a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, and they want to be just mentally stable as well. And I was none of those things. <laughs> so she was worried for me for sure. Um, and she started, you know, talking about like, well, you know, immediately she went to brainstorming mode. Like, what can we do? What makes sense? Like, mm -hmm. um, and her first thought was like, let's just go to this clinic and have them, you know, for sure confirm the pregnancy. Cause I think we were still both yeah. in just the state of like shock and denial. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, I have a very part-time job. I'm just a big drunk 21 year old <laughs> with no like <laughs> current plans for my future. Yeah. Um, and living with my mother. So, right. Um, we were like, yeah, let's go confirm this. And then, yeah, we went to the clinic and they did an ultrasound on me. And I found out I was uh, like over two months pregnant already. Oh. So they actually showed me her heartbeat and everything. Oh, wow. Which was uh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel when you saw that? Um, I just started crying mm -hmm. because I think up until that moment, I was still in denial about it after yeah. months, you know, I because I honestly, I had thought up to this point, I, I honestly thought, because I've had like weird body issues and I kind of thought I that I couldn't get pregnant like I thought maybe I just can't get pregnant you just felt that like intuitively that you just couldn't yeah wow yeah I thought so um and I'm not saying I wasn't careful like it was mm -hmm. the reason it was shocking is because I was careful about mm -hmm. everything but at the same time I pretty much didn't think I could get pregnant like I thought I had some sort of genetic problem um just like so... from nothing yeah, like I have weird, like, I don't know, weird feminine, like weird PMS stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I've heard yeah. so many things. And so I was like, and I kind of started to think like, maybe I'm just not meant to have kids is like what I had started to believe. Wow. You know, I was kind of like taking the maybe I'm not, you know, I'm never gonna get married, never gonna have kids. And I'm just gonna, you know, do my thing. And um, so it definitely threw me for a loop. But yeah, I just started crying. Um, when I saw her heartbeat, it changed things, though, you know. Um, because I was like, it's a small part of me growing up wanted to be a mother. So I kind of revisited that part of me. And I was like, yeah. wait, maybe, you know, maybe this is a good change. Like, I'm literally going so downhill. Oh. Um, what if this is like what I needed to get my act together? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's kind of a, that's a really nice story. That's <laughs> So she was like kind of like a gift into like transitioning into, you know, more healthy yes. part of your life. Yes. Adulthood lifestyle. Yeah. And I can say that it seems it seems to have worked. Like you've yeah. blossomed into your like motherhood with yeah. her. Wow. Yeah, it was right for me, I think, to become a mother. It was right for me because that pushed me to like go back to school and that wow. pushed me to get a career. And I think for a lot of people it would have an opposite effect. Like a lot mm -hmm. of people, they would have to leave their career and they would have mm -hmm. to give up on um their goals. And for some reason it was the opposite way with me and <clears throat> excuse me it just 
Yeah, it just worked. Like the universe was like, you need that. You need her and she needs you. And I'm really glad that I have her. But it's definitely, you know, been just been hard. Yeah. But worth it, I would say for her. Yeah. What's the hardest part of motherhood? Um, I think knowing that as a mother, like you are what shapes them into the person they are and Mm -hmm. you by just by being their mother, you're influencing like a future generation. And sometimes it feels like a lot of pressure because you want to watch every single thing you say and every move you make, and you can kind of beat yourself up for where things went wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, even though my daughter is only, she's not even three yet. She'll be three in a few weeks. So she's young and she's, you know, resilient and forgiving and all of that. But knowing that you are influencing just the human that she's going to be in the world and you want to raise a good human. That's the hardest part, I think, because there are just like a lot of not good humans. Yeah. So so it's like, it's a big task, you know, that's why parenting is so, it's such a huge commitment. Yeah. Um, It should be. I feel like some people don't take it that way, which is why you get the shitty people. Yes. Right. Because that's what generally that's what we do. We look to, like how somebody was raised yeah. <laughs> to see how they're acting. And I feel a lot of pressure for that too, because if Lila acts out, you know, people look to me and to her oh, dad. Right. Oh, that, oh, and <clears throat> sometimes they're just cranky or, yeah. you know, right. yeah, that's hard. I've, yeah. I've thought about that, like parents on airplanes and their babies yeah. won't stop crying. And it's like, oh, that yeah. sucks. Cause like, you can't control a baby. Like, what are you supposed yeah. to do? Like put tape over their mouth? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, what no. are you supposed to do? I don't know. Pacifier. <laughs> Shove it in there. <laughs> but even pacifiers are controversial. So like what? everyone's always going to be judging something that you're doing. And there's so many different ways of parenting. And someone's always going to think what you're doing is wrong. <laughs> On that, let's take a really quick break. Good idea. Okay, we're back. And I want to ask Riley, this is Barrett here. I want to ask Riley if she remembers how she told me that she was pregnant. I don't. It was so funny. Over Snapchat, you Snapchat texted me and all you said was I'm and then you sent the pregnant lady emoji. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Actually, no, I think you said, guess what? And then I said what? And then you said, I'm pregnant lady emoji. (laughs) Oh my God. I think it felt so weird and surreal for so much of my pregnancy. I couldn't even express to people that I was pregnant. I know for, I mean, I didn't even reveal that I was pregnant until I think it was the end of February and I found out uh, around Thanksgiving time. So for months, I just didn't tell anyone I was pregnant. So that's probably, I couldn't even articulate it to you, I bet. That's so funny. I think it was like around like January or February or something. And I think like you hadn't really told many people, like your family knew and like Mm -hmm. some of your close friends, but like just randomly you were like, guess what? And then you told me that way. And I was like, oh my God. And then I think I (laughs) called you and I was like, we need to hang out. And then we went on a walk and then you told me more about it. Um, Pregnancy brain is real. Like I don't remember so much from my social interactions during pregnancy. Eventually I stopped my job at the dinner theater and just started nannying because I just couldn't like people anymore. I couldn't have adult conversations with adults anymore. (laughs) Like I don't even remember the walk. I just don't remember. (laughs) I don't even know if I was mentally there at all during that. Crazy. (laughs) It's interesting. Okay. What's another question? 
Sorry. Also, for people who hear, we are currently, we have a dog situation, <laughs> just so everyone knows. So if you hear whining, it's these little puppers in the background. We keep trying to calm them down. Um, dogs are like kids. <laughs> I have no doubt about that. I, I actually had a question. Like, do you want to have more kids? Oh, man, that's such a good question because that's, like, what I have been struggling with. You know how I said I didn't think I was going to have kids? I basically accepted mm-hmm. that. But I also knew, and I, from a young age, like, if I did happen to have kids, I wanted a lot of kids Oh, because, um, because of my siblings because I have five. And I think they're, like, my best friends. And they're such a blessing. And also through everything I've ever been through that was hard, like, I look back, I'm like, I don't think I would have been able to go through that without my siblings. So I wanted that for my kids to have each other. And so it's actually something I'm struggling with a lot now because I'm not in a place to have kids. I'm not in a place to have more kids right now. And, you know, by the time my daughter would be three, will be three, I would have wanted to already have another kid here already. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard because she asks for siblings yes and it makes me sad when i watch her playing alone um you know and it makes me remember all the times i was never playing alone i had so many siblings to play with and she's just very social um so yeah to answer your question i do i really wish that uh that i could give her siblings and i mean i'm you know anything could happen one day but i do love that my siblings and i are close in age yeah. So, and it's hard, like, I don't know, all my friends that have a kid, they've got, they're already, like, pregnant with their second or third. Oh. Yeah, like, all of them. So, wow. I didn't feel pressured until, like, very recently, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, I'm already 25, and then people are kind of like, well, you're only 25. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. There, yes, exactly. It's true. <laughs> We're still so young, but I definitely yes. understand wanting the age yeah age thing yeah and like to get it all kind of over with you know <laughs> yeah oh that brings me to my next question yeah. <laughs> how is giving birth yeah like oh man um yeah. honestly my birth story was it, it's kind of sucks but it was a good learning experience like I know now to trust my gut because my mm. first mistake was having my doctor actually my first mistake was not going with like a nurse and that I trusted. I just kind of took, you know, the lady who was seeing me, my OBGYN, she really did not care much for childbirth and for like what she was doing. And she was, she had kind of other stuff on the side within her role at the hospital. And so this was like her last basically passion and priority. And she made that clear to me. Wow. Yeah. And would say like, just so you know, I'm not even going to be at the delivery. So if you want to switch and see someone else for the remainder of your pregnancy, just let me know. And she said that to me multiple times. And I just like, I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter who helps me deliver the baby. And looking back, I wish I would have picked somebody that was like really passionate about me and about my pregnancy. Um, And then she recommended that I be induced. And my gut told me that like, that was way too early. She was basically Mm -hmm. like, you need to be induced really quickly. Why? Um, I was because I wasn't like planning on getting pregnant, I basically had no idea when I became pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so they would ask me like, they, they tried to pinpoint when 
I, like how far along yes, you were? Yeah, oh, and yeah. I had nothing to give to them. So it was kind of just a guessing game the whole time, and we kind of went off her size. Mm. So when I say I was, like, over two months pregnant when I found out, we were just assuming, basically. Okay. So the whole time, we didn't really know how far along I was. So when it came, when she, you know, when I got a little bigger, we were assuming I was however many weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they basically thought her head seems a little small. Huh. Um, we should just like induce you and just get her out in case something's wrong. Cause her head was small. Yeah. And, huh. uh, I felt, and you know, mother's like mother's intuition is so real and like mm-hmm. trusting yeah. your gut is so real. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It is. And I just thought like I should trust them, mm-hmm. but I didn't know, like my, my mother's intuition was already kicking in and it wasn't time to deliver her. So Long story short, I was in the hospital for five days and they were inducing me for three days. Like it was a very what? long labor. Yeah. Um, and like painful and almost at the end, you know, I did not want to have a C-section. I just didn't, I just didn't want to for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. Um, for my first, I just like really wanted to do it yeah. vaginally. That's just, that was just my preference. And they were kind of pushing for a C-section towards the what? end all because- they had been inducing me for too long and nothing was happening. Was that through drugs? Like, how do you induce? Yeah. Um, they actually tried three different methods on me. Whoa. So first, you know, they took me in like at 10 PM and they put me on these drugs, like these pills, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which they said would cause contractions. So basically like forcing, it makes me sad even to think about, cause like forcing this poor little baby out, who's not mm-hmm. even fully developed. Like yeah. I was starting to think her head was probably small because she just wasn't growing. Yeah. yeah. Ready, like, you like know, a tiny little thing. Yeah. And they were like, well, maybe some, you know, maybe her head's small because something's wrong with your placenta. Like, you know, we just want to get oh, her out lady. to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just knew, like I was, I felt healthy. I felt fine. I knew mm-hmm. she was fine. She was kicking and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, she was not ready to come out. So they started with pills and then they did, um, something in between the pills and the suppository was the third thing they did where they mm-hmm. just like, and that, that was horrible because <gasps> they would like shove this thing inside of you <laughs> that's supposed to make you get contractions and like dilate you. Oh my God. Yeah. And the problem and between, and then there was another method. I can't even remember it, but it went on for hours. And the problem with all of it was that like I wasn't dilating. So they were trying to force me to dilate. So I would get all the pain of the contractions, but with no dilation. So no like progress, just like a ton of pain and a ton of like false contractions. Wow. Yeah. For hours. And I didn't sleep. So I mean, for days, for days. Yeah. And I was, you know, they said, come in at 10 PM, you know, and like sleep. And then maybe when you wake up in the morning, you'll be like, you know, kind of dilated. And no, I just had fake contractions <laughs> all night and oh, I didn't sleep. That's miserable. Yeah. And then the next night I did, it was the same thing. Like, so all day wow. for my second day in the hospital, all day long, they tried and tried and tried. Um, and, and, and then like the pain got really bad because I was starting to have contractions, but they were forced and there was no oh. progress with like Lila being ready to come out or me being ready to deliver her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was to the point where eventually what happened was, you know, on the third day of like doing these fake (laughs) or these forced labor moves, they were like, um, I got a really good nurse because the nurses, you know, switch off. So you'll have one for a few hours Mm, and then you'll have a new one. I got a really good nurse and I got really lucky because she literally walked in and took one look at me 
because okay i was stuck in there with my baby's dad like my no one else was there and he knows oh, nothing obviously about yeah, like yeah. um being pregnant you know right. being a woman <laughs> yeah like, any of that nothing and he was just sleeping and I was so angry. Aww, that's terrible. <laughs> You're like in it alone. Yeah, I still, I know I still bother him about that, but um, <laughs> she walked in and took one look at me and was just like, uh, oh my God, you are miserable. I'm going to go ahead and give you your epidural Yeah. because I had asked for an wow. epidural, but they, you know, try not to give it to you till you're pretty dilated because okay. um, <clears throat> once they give it to you, they can't just like stop and then start mm-hmm. it again. Right. So you know, you're supposed to be 10 centimeters dilated and to deliver. And I was not even one (gasps) centimeter dilated. And she was like, Nope, we're doing the epidural. We're doing the epidural. because Like we need to take, yeah, we need to take all the pain away. Um, what an angel. She was literally, and she, (laughs) she was just like, there's no way she's going to dilate right now because she hasn't slept in three days. She's been having fake, fake contractions. Um, She's in pain. And on top of that, towards the end of it, they have to keep coming and checking to see if you're dilated. Oh. And to do that, they put this like clamp thing in oh. you to see how dilated you are. And I was Jeez. so sore because they were also putting suppositories in and I was having oh. fake contractions and it was miserable. And so <laughs> this doctor understood because, okay, my delivering guy was a male. Yeah. My first nurses were males. Really? You know, my baby's dad was a male. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> they were all men trying to like figure yeah. it out. That's ridiculous. Jeez. Yeah. So she came in and was like, super like mother birded me sort of. And it was crazy because once she gave me the epidural, I suddenly dilated from one to 10 (gasps) in like three hours. (gasps) Wow. Two hours. Her actually understanding. It's like, wow, like this is a human whose body needs to do this crazy thing. And she's been cracked out for yeah. three, five days, like, hasn't had any rest, how can her body do what it needs right? to yeah. do, which is, like, this really intense thing. Yeah. So were you able to, like, relax once you got it and, like, sleep it all, and then you were able to, yes. like, give birth? <clears throat> what What happened was, when she gave me the epidural, which, or the lady who gave me the epidural, it actually only numbed half of my body, like, which I've heard can happen. It can just, uh, like, not numb you fully. Whoa. Yeah. But it numbed me enough to the point where I guess what happened was my muscles just relaxed. Right. And then I, I couldn't feel it at this point, but I I guess I was, like, fully dilating. Um, But I thought, you know, at this point, I was like, I'm never going to dilate. So when they gave me the epidural, <laughs> I put on Pitch Perfect. Nice. And <laughs> Cyrus, he... my baby's dad Cyrus ran out to get some food so he's gone and I'm watching a movie and I like (laughs) that's very casual (laughs) I was laughing um and I was thinking to myself excuse me I was thinking to myself I might finally get some sleep so (laughs) I shut my eyes and I took like a power nap like a 20 minute power nap and then the doctor came in and was like wake up I'm gonna check you but of course they couldn't feel anything now so I was like go ahead I'm like smiling I'm like sleeping while he checks me and he's like oh my god it's time to push like you have suddenly dilated you're at you know nine centimeters like we need to get the baby out and I was just like seriously (laughs) I literally just fell asleep like Like, are you kidding this is an unideal time and I'm like Cyrus isn't even here oh my god (laughs) so I texted him he ran back up um but basically she knew like I wasn't going to dilate because I was not relaxed. And yeah. what's frustrating mm. is the whole time the nurses are telling you like, just try to relax, like just oh. relax. And then well, they're doing terrible things to your yeah. body. And, and you have 
and terrible and you things. haven't slept yes. at all. That's insane. And it really made me feel like I was doing something wrong too oh, because yeah. they put the pressure on you. Like you're just not relaxing, you know? And like, That's wow. I know. And I was like, I am having attractions every, you know, four minutes and I'm taking deep breaths and I haven't slept. And like, they were we were doing everything so yeah this angel lady yeah. and then i pushed for 30 minutes and then she was lila was finally here wow yeah. 30 minutes only yeah that seems five days yes no obviously but i feel like sometimes people push for a lot longer right yeah i that's wait what counts as labor Labor is question. basically from when you get into the hospital and start having your contractions. Oh. So um, a lot of people, you know, that aren't getting induced will start having their contractions at home on their own. Right. And they'll, they're natural contractions, which mm-hmm. is how they should be, you right. know. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I think being induced is really awesome when you know that it's right for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's amazing because you have a planned date of when your baby's coming. Yeah. Like, you know when you're going to have the baby. And same with a C-section. Like, if you want to know when your baby's going to be here, schedule your C-section. Like, mm-hmm. get induced. But I was, like, I was not ready even. I yeah. didn't even feel ready, you know, emotionally. I was like, yeah. no, she needs more time. So, wow. but yeah, labor, um, some people... I think people who trust their gut have like a quicker and easier labor. Yeah. <laughs> and it was definitely a learning experience though. Cause I know what not to do if I ever do yeah. get oh. pregnant again. But wow. that's so messed up because you know, that's why you need women in the field yeah. to like guide you through this. And also yeah. I feel like that's something that comes along with being young. Like I yeah. like something I think about all the time right now is trusting my gut. Like how do I listen mm-hmm. to my gut? How do I tune yeah. into that? And mm-hmm. then when it comes to medical things, like, yeah, how I, I definitely believe 100% that you felt that and that was the right yeah. thing, but it's so hard to question that when yeah. you're learning to trust that and then medical professionals are like, well, yeah, right. And you don't really blah, blah, know blah. all of, all of it. What, what yeah. All of it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't know all of it. You don't. <laughs> well, it makes sense. Yeah. These people are like telling you what you have to do and you're yeah. like, I don't think so, but like, I don't know. Yeah. And they know that you don't know because they know you've never had a baby before. Right. So then they're probably just like pushing you because they like want to get it done or whatever. Yeah. And And then they're all men. So they have no frame of reference of what this could possibly be like for you either. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Even if they have kids, they don't understand it. And, you know, they made it seem like the baby might be at risk. So I was like, well, okay, like do what's best for her. And I think what's best for her would have been. Just chilling in there and cooking a little longer. Was she premature? Like when she was born, was she a lot smaller than she should have been? They basically thought she was. They thought she was in like, you know, the fourth percentile and she was going to be way too small. And so I even bought her like a premature outfit. And when she came out, she was like totally fine. She was a little, (laughs) I, because she's so long and tall now, I honestly think if we let her grow a little more, she would have been even bigger. Mm. Um, But she was like five or six pounds when she came out. So she fit in the premature outfit for like literally two days and then she just started growing. Um, So no, it was funny when she came out, they were like, Oh no, she's not in the fourth percentile. She's totally like normal baby size. Wow. So So I was like, okay, so we didn't have to do that. Um, (laughs) it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) And I had, you know, a second degree tear too. So it was just exactly like, it's like, I think there are three degrees of tearing when you have a vaginal birth. Yeah. <laughs> TMI, but I love to tell people that I had a tear because I had the epidural and didn't even notice they were like sewing me. Whoa. But I also think that if 
if I didn't induce her, I wouldn't have torn as bad because I wouldn't have had to push as hard yeah. for a baby that wasn't ready to come out, you know? Right. Seriously. So wow. it's just all like, I'm, I'm saying this all, you know, if anyone's listening and they're going to have a baby, like trust your gut. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. Yeah. Cause that's a common thing with women in particular and yeah, the medical yes. field, like women mm-hmm. are not listened to yes. as much as other, especially women of color. Yes. Oh but my God. Just women in general. It's really messed up. Yeah. Like how put off all of our questions and concerns are. Yeah. And, and like looking back, I would have rather, you know, it was her life and my life that <laughs> were on the line. Not like, you know, who cares if I pissed off one, you know, yeah. OBGYN, so I'll get a new one. But at right. the time, it was like I wanted to please them. And looking back, it's Aww. like, oh, you know, Lila's the one who's going to be in my life, not them. Like, right. they don't yeah. even remember me. So yeah. it's like stand your ground, even though it's so hard. And you might have to stand your ground a thousand times and no one's going to listen to you. Yeah. But it's worth it, I think. Aww. Yeah. It's a really good lesson, but it sucks yeah. you have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was not a fun story and like it's true what they say like they you know once the baby comes you kind of forget it all really yeah like <laughs> I literally like to forget. <laughs> but now I remember that euphoria of having your newborn and you're like oh my god they're here and then and oh. then they become toddlers and you remember <laughs> <laughs> You remember the part. You have time to remember, I bet. Well, yeah. not that it probably gets that much easier, but like having a newborn is just like all of the time, right? Yeah. Like all around the clock. Like, and you, like, especially as a mother, have to be like, like, accommodating. Yeah, available yeah. to that. Yeah. Right? Or- I, I will say I just don't understand how people have more than one, even though I want more than one kid. <laughs> I don't understand how anyone's ever had like a toddler and then a baby or like two kids and then a baby because. Yeah. Like a baby is so much because you're just, they're in survival mode and you're in survival mode. And even though they sleep so much and they just, you know, drink milk or whatever, and Mm -hmm. it's basic needs, um, you're just like constantly making sure that they're alive. So doing that on top of like chasing a toddler around, like I literally can't imagine props to all mothers because like, wow, I can't even imagine, you know? No, honestly, me either. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Go women. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Go women. And on that, let's take another break. All righty. All right. Welcome back. So um, the next question that we want to ask Riley is, how did your goals change overall um, after having your daughter? And what were they before? How did they evolve, you know, from then even till now? Um, before, and it's a, it's a really good question and it's a big, like, I'll try to not go off on a bunch of tangents because, um, there is so much to it and it's also like an ever-changing sort of process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but I, you know, before I had Lila, I I don't want to say I was like a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of like I just want to do whatever makes me feel good in the moment. <laughs> and <laughs> at the time it was like I really liked, you know, theater and um and when I you know, so I, I sort of knew things that I liked, but mm-hmm. I didn't have anything that was attainable at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when I found out I was pregnant, in my mind, I was like, well, now it doesn't matter because now I'm not going to get to do, you know, anything. And my the only goal is, you know, to be a good mom. And um, so when I had Lila, I tried to just sort of work from home a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, work from my phone 
And that was really hard to do. Um, they make it seem like it would be so easy. Like the influencers, you know, <laughs> who I'm a little <laughs> jealous YouTubers. of. <laughs> like just a little jealous of. Um, <laughs> you know, who just can stay at home with their kids and um, work from home on the side and then be a really fun, cool mom. <laughs> I That was my goal for sure. Yeah. So my goal switched from, you know, wanting to – be like <laughs> this on the center of the stage all the time <laughs> to wanting to be that really cool mom. And then, um, unfortunately when the pandemic started, I realized I was actually not a very good stay at home mom, but admitting that to myself was kind of freeing oh, because wow. I was like, there are options for that. Like it doesn't make me a bad person. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, I'm just being honest. I don't have a lot of energy right now mm. to give her what she needs. Yeah. And so then I started exploring school options for her. And when I got her into daycare, she was getting like the attention that she deserved and she was getting the stimulation mm -hmm. that she needed as a toddler from trained people who want to do that. Yeah. Which makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then it, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to be that influencer mom, but then, you know, she comes home from school and I have the energy to be present with her. Yeah. And then I realized, okay, like my life is actually not just put on hold. Like me going after my goals will make me a better mom to her. Yeah. So it was a win-win. So then I was really like goal-driven because I went from kind of having, you know, flimsy goals to no goals before I had yeah. Lila to all of a sudden feeling like I had a reason to better myself Yeah, because I struggled with like insecurities and whatnot before I had her. And not that she just like is my only reason that I exist, <laughs> but it gave me a sense of um, purpose and it gave me a reason to fight for more for myself and for her. Yeah. So it actually was awesome because I had this idea that I was going to just not be able to do anything for myself and sort of like motherhood was just sacrifice and sacrifice, mm -hmm. which it is a huge sacrifice, mm -hmm. but, um, it pushes you to do things for yourself too. And so long story short, I definitely mm -hmm. went back to school <laughs> after nice. figuring all that out and got licensed to do what I'm doing now, which is I'm an esthetician and it is literally like, I love it so much. And mm -hmm will do it for the rest of my life. And I've never felt like I loved my career before. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, if I didn't have Lila, I wouldn't have explored the option of, oh, wow, you can get paid to do what you love. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have even explored the option of like making more money. So it really was kind of a win-win. Like it changed yeah. my goals, but for the best, because now I'm doing what I love and I'm also getting to spend time with her. And she's also in a school that loves her. Yeah. Um, so, and now I have a lifelong career, like she having her push me to want that. Um, so that was amazing. <laughs> wow. And yeah. for the listeners at home, explain what an esthetician is. <laughs> an esthetician is essentially like a skincare specialist. Mm -hmm. um, estheticians do waxing. They could do makeup. For me, I really like skincare though, especially regarding the face. I love acne and I love giving, <laughs> I love giving people facials. Um, as I grow in my career, I would love to be like an acne specialist and just, oh. you know, branch out and help, especially like teenagers with acne or people with hormonal acne or chronic acne. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of a more broad goal, but for now I'm working 
in Boulder giving facials and I just love it. Like I literally get paid to squeeze blackheads and it's like my dream job and it <laughs> it will forever be, it will never get old to me. That's so dope. How did yes. you know that like you wanted to go into that? Well, it's so funny because, um, you know, my uncle, he always told me that you can love what you do for yeah. work. And that never made sense to me. I was like, I don't really love any job I've ever had. Like, I'm grateful yeah. for jobs I've had. Yeah. And some of them I've loved more than others. But I've mm -hmm. never felt like that. Like, I know mm -hmm. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? Yeah. And he was like, think bigger, Riley. Like, think bigger. You can love what you do and do what you love. Mm -hmm. wow. And <laughs> I know that I love... I. <laughs> Like the blackhead thing, honestly, sort of got me into school. I'm not going to lie <laughs> because I, during the pandemic, I got really into like focusing on my skin and I had so much time on my hands. I would find yeah. myself picking out my skin mm. and I weirdly loved it. And people would start saying like, that's so weird that you love, like, you know, I would like cleaning people's ears with Q-tips and stuff nice. like that. And, um, good mother trait, I guess, to have. But other than yeah. that, I was like, what's the point of like loving, you know, picking up people's faces and like plucking people's <laughs> eyebrows and like cleaning their ears. Wow. And then I would always say if I was like with my baby's dad, I would get his blackheads out for him. And I would always joke like, oh, if only I could get paid to do this. Oh, wow. <laughs> and little did you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I, all the dots started to connect. I was, I was saying stuff like that and I was, you know, not thriving with my with my current job. Mm. And I was like, wait a minute, I literally can. And we live in such a great age where like anything is possible. Like yeah, you can make yeah. work out of anything. Yeah. Um, like people will just find something they love to do and, and somehow find a way to make a living out of it. Yeah. Um, and fortunately for me, there's literally a title for it and it's esthetician. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I remembered, you know, my struggle with acne and it was very much like it was debilitating when I was younger. Yeah. Um, acne just like destroyed me as a teen and knocked me down and it held me back in a lot of ways. And I mm -hmm. saw an esthetician when I was like 18 and she changed things for me. And I was like, okay, wow, I can get paid to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, thanks COVID for <laughs> putting so much time on my hands that I, started thinking about my whole entire life and realized I wanted to be an esthetician. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And also school felt like it would be impossible. Like you kind of think as a mom that you won't be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I guess just don't think about the why, the why's, but think about the why not. Because yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, now is actually the best time to go to school. Like Lila's only two, not yeah. like, oh my God, you know, she's two, but like, she's only two. So go wow. to school now and get it over with, you know, yeah. and then have this career while she's growing up versus like, oh my God, you know, she's only two. I can't go to school right now. So wow. I just kind of had to change my thinking about it. And then it was definitely hard, you know, doing school, but it was only a six, you know, six, seven month program and now it's yeah. done and I'm licensed. So yeah. yeah. So that's so true. Like there's always this stereotype, especially for like people who get pregnant really young. Yeah. It's like, it's your life is ruined. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's such a big yes. thing that people yeah. think it's like, if you get pregnant so long, your life is over and mm -hmm. like, that's people it. And like, that. you're like, and even you thinking that you couldn't like do what you wanted to do because mm -hmm. your mother, that's like playing into that because that's like everyone's assumptions and that's what everyone mm -hmm. says. Absolutely. And so yeah. it's so good that you like followed, this is when you did follow your intuition. Mm, yeah. And you like 
you did it. Yeah, exactly. Because for people who, and everyone's story is so different. And like, again, about trusting your gut, like, you know, what's best yeah. for you. And something inside me knew that I should, you know, just do the thing and have Lila and bring her into the world. And everyone knows, you know, everyone knows what is best for them. And for people who choose to like do this mammoth of a task and like for people who choose to bring another human into the world, it is such a big choice to make. And so, yeah, I want to encourage people who do decide to go down that path and then like start to, you know, not regret it, but feel really unsure about it. Like, Mm -hmm don't lose sight of yourself, I guess, Yeah, um, right. in the process. Because, yeah, that's what can make you the best parent is just not giving up on yourself. Mm-hmm. And not I'm not saying put your kids second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she is first. And I have had to stop doing things and give up things for her and blah, blah, blah. And there is that. And that is hard. Um, and But there's support for that, too, you know. But, yeah, doing what you love, it makes you better for them, too. Yeah. I feel like that's especially put on to mothers, yes, you know, like the whole like stay at home versus career mom yeah. trope, um, which I both are very valid. Yes. Extremely valid. I had a stay at home mom, lover, had a bunch of friends that had yeah. career moms, also great, also mm-hmm. benefits to whatever. But I feel like it's never a question about the dad. Yeah. Never. Never. No. It's like, oh, oh, like, where's the dad? He's at work. Great. Oh, he's he's going back <laughs> to school. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm as a mom doing this for me what? What about your daughter? Right. What about your child? And that would be a hard thing. Like, how did you get through that? Like that societal expectation? How did you shift your own perspective? Cause that's the hardest thing to do is like mm-hmm. shift your like lenses mm-hmm. on how you view something and actually like break through it. Mm-hmm. I think literally the only way was like, I, like again, like trusting my intuition mm-hmm. because there were days where I was like, I am the worst mother. Like right. I am abandoning her, you know, Aww. like she's was sometimes in school five days a week. Sometimes it's like 10 hours a day. Um, but honestly, like on the days when she was at school, she was safe. She was happy. Yeah, and yeah. on the days where I was at home with her, like we were both miserable and like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your honesty. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, And I like kudos to moms who can do that because I know now that it's not easy. Like there was just one of her and (laughs) it was not easy and we were butting heads a lot and we're so similar and we're both so stubborn and I didn't have like the parenting tools um, to be able to really parent her well and guide her through tantrums and teach her, you know, boundaries. And it was just a lot better for us to have space from each other. Yeah. And like, I, you know, she still knew I was her mom and we still mm-hmm. saw each other a lot, like mm-hmm. right. <laughs> a lot, a lot, including the fact that she wouldn't sleep at night. So we'd spend all night together. So, <laughs> but like, yeah, I had to trust that it was best. And then I had to remember that like, it's temporary. Yeah. Um, And in fact, now I'm at the point where I miss her. So I adjusted both of our schedules so that I took her out of school. Okay. That sounded bad. I always miss her. (laughs) I'm like, I finally miss her. No, no, no. That didn't sound bad. But I, (laughs) I missed her, but I also trusted myself that I was capable of doing a part-time stay at home mom situation. Right. So like now I take her out of school. Um, so like on Mondays, that's our day together and it's great. And I was like, okay, I feel equipped to do this now. Like I was really having a hard time during the pandemic and before that and being a new mom, I was struggling and I did not want to project that onto her. So we had our, you know, she had school and I had school. And now that I'm done with school, we spend a lot more time together. So I had to remember 
to trust my gut and also that it was temporary. And if I needed to change it and go back on it, that I could. Right. Um, and yeah, like you're in control, you're the mom. So I was like, yeah. I wasn't like giving up my parenting rights. And when I was ready, I was going to take, you know, take control of that situation too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's honestly makes a lot of sense. And it's, I feel like a problem that most people have just in relationships in general, it's like intentionality of time and like nurturing yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, cause if you have so little like to give someone mm-hmm. and you're around them, then you're, you're, you're not doing anything for like the relationship. And I feel like yeah. that's with kids too. Yeah. And like having a day and having time for yourself. Yeah. Like it would make sense that it just would make you a better mother. Yeah. And being intentional about it. Like you, you have to be intentional about it. Like now I know Mondays are like mom and Lila days. Aww. So it makes it better versus looking at it like, um, you know, what are we going to do today? Oh my God. Like it's our <laughs> seventh day cooped up inside. <laughs> totally. What are we going to do? But yes. now it's like. And for her too, she would be like, mommy, can I please go play with friends? And I was like, oh. Oh, maybe we don't even, you know, schools aren't even open or whatever. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's a win-win because yeah, now she gets excited for Mondays too. And that's our time together. And we'll mm-hmm. do, you know, dinner every night and wake up and have our little morning routine. So it still works. And I still see her, you know, so much, but she's not totally sick of me because <laughs> she doesn't see me too much. <laughs> And that's just how it works for us. And I know for other families, it works. It's totally different. Like Mm -hmm. there are babies that need their mamas or their daddies like Mm -hmm. a lot more. Um, And Lila is like super independent and super strong willed and doesn't (laughs) like me up in her grill and (laughs) likes being at school with her friends and being the center of attention there. And (laughs) so, yeah, it's just like about finding that balance and finding what works for you. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so nice. Okay, let's take another break. All right. So like the good professional podcasters we are, we did do a little pre-interview with Riley and she mentioned wanting to talk about kind of like struggling with body image like after during the pregnancy. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Um, I want to just touch on it now and say that especially a word of advice, you know, if you do become pregnant, one of the first things that the, you know, the doctors and the nurses are going to talk to you about is like how much weight you're going to gain. Wow. Yeah. And they actually predict it for you. And for me, that was kind of, um, wow. Yeah. It was kind of hard because like, for instance, they, they weighed me and they were like, okay, you weigh this much, you know, this is like your lifestyle. So you'll probably gain 20 to 25 pounds. I think I gained like more than that. Like, I think I gained 28 to 30 pounds by the end of it. So already like you go into this pregnancy worrying about your weight and your weight gain and you forget that like, duh, you're going to gain weight and you're growing a human inside of you. (laughs) And you're stressing the whole time about like, like not everyone, but for me, because I've already struggled with my body image so much. Uh I was not prepared to like be stressing about how much weight I was putting on when I was just trying to keep the baby alive inside of me. So I'm like beating myself up over only eating fast food for a week when that was the only thing I could stomach. And I couldn't stomach like the, you know, the fruit and the rice that they were telling me to eat. Like I could only, I would throw it up. So it was just like worrying about that is so hard because you carry it then into what's even harder, which is after you have the baby and the only thing that matters is like loving yourself and giving yourself grace because of what you just went through 
and Mm -hmm. society will make it seem like the only thing that matters is getting your body back. And like, look, we have a mommy fitness class where we'll watch your toddlers for you so you can work out and, you know, we'll hold your newborn while you work out or like these membership plans and you really get sucked into it. And it just like, it takes away from what you should be focusing on, which is not only your baby, but like your mental health and also taking it easy because of what you just went through. Right. And so I was super stressed about like getting my body back and it was all about numbers. You know, they said I would gain this much weight and I gained more than that. So now I want to like, so I ended up losing, you know, so much weight immediately after having her that I was smaller than like before I was pregnant. And which honestly took away from my time with her because I was stressing about that. Yeah. And yeah, I do have minor regrets about that. And I have to cut, you know, I have to give myself grace there too. Yeah. But I just want to encourage moms like you honestly can't control how your body's going to change. You don't know how your body's going to change. Um, and so as much as you want to, you know, stay healthy and it feels amazing to be in charge of your health, like don't let it take away from you and your worth because you literally cannot control um (laughs) like pregnancy body and mom you know I hate I don't know I don't like love the term mom bod either because it's like you're just a human with a body it's not like mom bod is anything that should have any sort of effect on anyone in any way like nobody should even be talking about mom bod it's just you're just still the same person that you were before right and so yeah just not I don't know. I wish that I hadn't worried so much about that because honestly, I think I put a lot of stress on myself and people will say like society will make you and that's true, but also do your part in like not stressing yourself out about it because society maybe made me feel like I should lose weight, but I think I'm the one that put the pressure on myself, you know? Also, it seems like, so if they tell you, if they guess how much weight you're going to gain, what's the point? Because that seems like very unhelpful because it seems like if you gain more then you're like freaking out and like feeling terrible about yourself and you're like oh I've eaten all the wrong things because they told you this was how much you were gonna gain yeah yeah it was I don't know if if, like they were trying to be helpful and like give me a heads up yeah but yeah but I was like I you know it made me feel like I had to weigh myself like every day oh wow yeah that's so horrible yeah for people like especially women because yeah yeah also you know non-gender binary people like yeah birth Mm -hmm. but i feel like you know just existing in this world Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia yeah about your weight so much of it i'm personally like very like dense i'm a very dense person and like like i went to the doctor and they're like you're technically overweight Oh, based on my BMI. That's and I was stupid. Like, no, I'm not. Like, look at me. <laughs> I'm literally not. Like, I run multiple times a week. Like, right. I, it's just such an antiquated thing. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Holistic doctors nowadays are getting rid of the weight. You know, like yeah. yeah, weight is not a measure of health. Yeah. And it should not it be. Shouldn't it shouldn't be. It should not be for pregnant women no, either. No. It's, disgusting yeah it's disgusting and everyone has different body types so the fact that they're like you're overweight this means you're unhealthy is just Mm -hmm. absurd because literally everyone has a different type of body and like you can eat something exactly the same as someone else and your body can be completely different Mm -hmm. oh my god there's I know this girl that is like so much skinnier than me and she weighs like 40 pounds more than me and so yeah it's just a number it doesn't really mean freaking anything is kind of what I'm discovering and don't let the number even though they will weigh you every time you go in for an appointment but just don't even look so 
Yeah. Horrible. That's so infuriating. It's yeah. So. Oh my god. It doesn't help when you're already trying to, you know, worry about so much other stuff. And then now you're trying to worry about your weight. Like, and yeah, just even before pregnancy, just Mm. people in general. Yeah. It's triggering. Yeah, it is. So triggering. It is. Oh. Yeah. Doctors, they should know better. I know. (laughs) You would think. You would think they would. I I I actually a question popped up while you were speaking. Mm. Um, did you have postpartum depression? Is that okay if I ask? Oh yeah. Um I didn't. And I, I was actually like really afraid of getting postpartum depression Mm -hmm. because they kind of thought that I would, because I've struggled with stuff in the past and like depression runs in my family. Uh And I think it was really, I I really like how much people openly talk about postpartum depression. Yes. Um, because it is one of those things that can just happen and you're, you may be someone who's never struggled with depression in your life. Um, and it can also happen like up to a year or two years after you have the baby. What? Like, yeah. Wow. And that's what they, you know, and they kind of happen for that long. Yeah. Wow. Like you could be feeling fine and then your baby could turn one and they could still say like, this is postpartum depression. And they wow. kind of, yeah. So they told, you know, they told me about that and warned me about it. And I don't even want to say warn me because they do have resources, but yeah. they wanted to make it, they wanted you to know so that. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, the feelings can be very strong. Like, you might want to throw your baby out the window and feel very oh, wow. afraid of yourself. Wow. So it freaked me out a little bit. But I was also like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this. Um, yeah. And for the first, like, three months of having Lila, I cried so much. Oh. But I don't think, you know, it wasn't depression. It was more of being really overwhelmed by the fact yeah. that, like, I just had this human and she came out of my body and now she's here in my life forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do think that. Yeah, the more that people talk about it, it's just so helpful because it is so common. And I know friends who struggled with it. And it's also important to look for the signs of it in other young moms. But yeah, I myself didn't. But then they say like, but with your second kid, you know, it could happen. So you just Mm. never know. Um, But yeah, it's real. (laughs) Yeah, that's so scary. Yeah. Poor women again. Yeah, poor women. (laughs) It's rough. I love women. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. We are so awesome. So maybe the final question is, um, like, what is your, like, biggest, like, overall lesson from this whole experience? I'm sure you will continue to learn more Mm -hmm. since your daughter is barely almost three. (laughs) (laughs) But so far, what would you say was your biggest lesson? Um like not only trusting your mom instinct, but standing up for your child and yourself when it comes to your parenting, you know, techniques and just your family standing up for that because it's sacred and nobody else can understand it. And Mm -hmm. they're really like, people have so many opinions and it's always surprising. It's a lot of the times it's like your own family that has something to say and they're so invested and you're just like, why, like, why do you care about, you know, the way I'm raising my child or what I chose to, how I chose to react in that moment or like, you know, her school life, my work life, like why? And there's so much and people, I guess we'll always have opinions and um, I am a people pleaser. So for not only the majority of Lila's life, but of my life, I just basically succumb to people and I'm like, yes, you know, you're right. And I wish that I had stood up for what I knew was right in my gut, like a lot with Lila, because 
there were times where like she was unhappy and I knew and I just didn't want to upset the people that were watching her, you know? So I wanted to keep the peace. And looking back, it's like, what's more important? Like those temporary people that you didn't even like anyway, or (laughs) your daughter's like safety and well-being and like be, you know, be like the crazy mom if you have to. Like be Mm -hmm. the tiger mom and let people judge you because nothing is more important than you know, you protecting your child and protecting your family. Like I will literally do some sort of weird, like backflip off a roof and some (laughs) howl if I have to, like, if it means I'm protecting her because people will literally judge you. Like as a mother, you are so judged and you feel it all the time. And especially as a young mother, I bet. Yeah. Like I bet people look at you and they're like, oh, young mother, like how could she get pregnant? And look at her like being a mom the wrong way. Yes. And you'll notice like when you start, when your child starts school, you'll notice the other moms and like how they dress and how they look at how you dress or what you drive or how you talk or how you act when your child's tantruming. And it's little things like that where it's just like, don't get too in your head about it and stay true to who you are because yeah, I would regret. And you know, if I just let their opinions of me and what I was doing with my daughter, uh, change the way that I, you know, parented her years from now Yeah. or, you know, not standing up for her. If I knew she was unhappy, cause like I'm her mom, not you. (laughs) Like I know what's best for her. And no one else is going to stand up for her like that. And I don't care if people think I'm like bat crazy because, um, but it is something, it is hard, you know, but just trust your gut and then stand up for that because it, you can regret not doing that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Has has there been any like stories in particular where, um, someone really overstepped their bounds or like. Even like the the mom judgment thing, that's mm-hmm. so annoying. That's, that's just something I see like portrayed in media a lot, and it's so mm-hmm. repugnant. Yeah, repulsive. It's so gross. It's yeah. like way to just put each other down. Yeah, yeah. And especially like a young mom, like <laughs> yeah. it's like take her under your wing or like right. be nice. Yeah, like, you should. You know what it's like. Right. Like, come on. Um, actually, yeah, and like ugh, co-parenting is so hard too. Or having you know if you if you have a child that has two parents with two totally different families Mm -hmm. but they all want to be involved in your child's life (laughs) um (laughs) you know you want to you want that for them and you want that for your child but as you know as your child's mom like they've got one mom and or two and it's your job to like you're I mean, okay, yes, dads are awesome, but you literally don't have the mom instinct. It's called mom instinct for a reason. (laughs) And so the mom, it's the mom's job to pay attention to the signs that their children are showing and stand up for them, especially when they're so young that they can't stand up for themselves. Um, And so, yeah, Lila, (laughs) excuse me, Lila's had some overbearing like family members or friends of family who can't pick up on her signs because they're not her mom, of course. And sometimes dad can't pick up on it either because he's not her mom either. (laughs) And so then it's kind of like, it's literally my job right now. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't stand up for her. So yeah, sometimes I've had to literally be like that biatch and be like, okay, like Lila doesn't want to hug you or Lila's going to bed or Lila really is overstimulated by the loud music and it will ruin her bedtime routine and she will be crying tonight and tomorrow morning or Lila doesn't want to have more sugar right now because she literally will get constipated. And like, there are things that you know that they don't know. Um, so yeah, there've been a lot of 
situations like that where people, you know, they have good intentions, but they don't know. And I used to want to please them, you know? So I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like ruin my child's week. (laughs) It'll be fine. (laughs) Like just do all this stuff and then she's going to be pissed and upset and like, it'll be fine. But I mean, now it's easier because she can vocalize to me and she will walk up to me and be like, mommy, I want to go. And she wants to leave. But before that, you know, if your child's not okay and if they're not safe and, um, don't feel bad about everyone not liking you and talking crap about you when you take your child away. Cause like you protected your child, you did your job Great. <laughs> and sorry that you guys don't like me, but that's my kid. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so important. Like I, I saw a Facebook post that was kind of similar to that. And it's like, you're just teaching your kid how to stand up for themselves when you stand up for them. They're like, Oh wait, it's okay that I don't want to do that. Yeah. So you can teach them boundaries like for themselves. Yes. But it's okay for themselves to have boundaries. Yes. I think I saw that same post. Dude, it was like yeah, the like, mom it was like the You tagged me in that post. Oh. You totally did. It was <laughs> like this mom that. this mom wrote a post where like the the mom's stepfather was like Mm -hmm. trying to like hug the daughter or something it was like a video and he was like i can hug her if i want to and she was like no actually you can't because the daughter was obviously upset she was like a really small child Mm -hmm. and it was like this whole post about like no like teach your daughter that she can set her own boundaries and stuff which is so true yes don't worry about hurting the stranger's feelings like worry about your child setting their boundaries because it shapes the rest of their life (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah teaching her to say no because if she's Mm -hmm. in a situation later when you're not there Mm -hmm. right she doesn't know how to say no (laughs) yeah exactly yeah exactly so it's important and not to like freak anyone out because i kind of had to learn it the hard way myself but it's important and it's empowering to be able to set those boundaries for your child yeah yeah wow all right Anything else to add? <laughs> Just <laughs> not really. Mom life is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Hashtag mom life be crazy. It sounds like it. For real. Well, thanks for coming on our pod, Riley. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for the good talk and the good questions and the good listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks for being so honest mm-hmm. and real about something so intimate and personal. Of Seriously. Course. You're a great first interviewee. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Lisbon. Okay. And our sign off here is love you. Love you. Love you.